Hey Journey family, I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning and I, I just want to tell you, can you guess what today is? Oh, I know some of you already are guessing. Today is our final online only service. That's right, we're headed back to our facilities and starting next Sunday morning, 9 and 10.30, we're gonna be gathering back for all of you who are prepared for that and are ready to be back in the physical facility together. Same time in the same place, uh, but it'll be a lot different in some ways. Be sure to read the newsletter when it comes out this week, or you can check our website, our social media, and those places because there are certain protocols we've been given by the county, the city, the state, obviously all these agencies want to have a say, but there's some really strict protocols that we have to follow. And so we've been working really hard to make sure we're ready for you. So this coming Sunday, regular times, uh, bring your masks. And again, check those things because there will be details about how we have to screen people for their fever and those things at the door. We just want to make sure you're prepared as you guys come into the door. A couple other things. Because this Sunday is Father's Day, dads, we want to just honor you. It's going to be a special time and, and we're going to have a lot of fun. But, but dads, we just want we have a little something special for you on Father's Day. So be sure and bring the families out. And I realize we can only have 100 people per service. So we've, gonna, we've kind of worked on an overflow to the other building if necessary. But we're, we're looking forward to this. So dads, it's about you. Bring the family out. It's going to be a great time. One other thing. The crash is back. So student ministries, that's our junior high and high school ministry, will begin again the week after we start. So the 24th, the Wednesday the 24th, crashes back and they'll be on campus in our main auditorium. So all of you students and parents of students, that's for you. So keep that in mind. And there's also a special graduation party. There's gonna be a swim party coming up and look for that at the crash website and social media pages. This morning, we made room for a really special interview and we wanted to give room for this very timely discussion and conversation. So we, um, we've decided to do something special with worship. Um, our team has put together a very special playlist, a worship playlist that you can find in the description on the video today. It'll be a link there. You can also find it on our Journey YouTube page. And that might be something for you to do before we get started or after the service today. Just go on there. It's a collection of some of our favorite worship songs and just a way to kind of put your heart in that space of really connecting and opening your up to God. Now for this morning. Guys, this morning I have something really special and I'm excited about this conversation. Um, last week we had talked about what Jesus' command was. In, in times of racial tension in the first century, Jesus addressed this by giving us the story of the Good Samaritan. And he basically taught that to follow Jesus, to be a follower of his and a child of God, is to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor. And I know some people are like, hey, you know, we just want to get back to Bible teaching. Well, there is no more central Bible teaching than to love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples. In other words, people who follow my ways. And he said, teaching them everything I've commanded you. What was Jesus' central command? Love. He said that you will be known by your love. This morning, we're gonna break that open a little bit and just take another step into this discovery of how does Journey respond in a cultural moment that is so full of strife and racial tensions. So we're gonna be interviewing um, a family member of ours and this is, this is gonna be Ptolemy Matthews. He's gonna sit down with me and we're just gonna get into some of the topics and things that we think might be really helpful in a moment like this. So grab your uh, coffee, pull up a chair, let's get started. So this morning, family, we're just going to be talking uh, about the stuff that's happening in our world, some of the really relevant crises, and more importantly, uh, the church's response. I think there's no more relevant conversation that we can be having right now than what is on the heart of our whole world and what, you know, the heart of our, I think of our God as he looks at the brokenness of our world. And so this morning, um, I just want to welcome Ptolemy Matthews. Um, Ptolemy has been a part of Journey for how long now? Uh, about two and a half years. About two and a half years. Ptolemy's in our leadership circle. He and his wife have been part of our onstage presentation side, and they have been a part of also the behind the scenes stuff. And I want to just have Ptolemy tell us your wife's name and a little bit about your family. 
Uh, so my wife's name is Nasa. Um, my wife and I are pregnant right now with uh, children three and four. So our twins, matter of fact, today marks uh, week 32. And so we have another five or six wow. weeks before the babies are here. Uh, we also have a six-year-old daughter, Simona, and a three-year-old son named Jasper. Man, I've missed Nasa on the worship as we've gone through this with her pregnant and all. I know we have to be careful with the COVID, but man, it's exciting for you guys having two more added to the family overnight. So it's exciting. You, it's you, also a little bit scary, uh, but yeah, I don't well, know how that's going to be. As a father of four plus, I'm yeah. telling you, it gets it gets really interesting. Family gatherings get a whole lot more exciting. Well, Ptolemy, thanks for sitting down with me Absolutely. today. And um, yeah, I just want to start out with just, just a couple things. First of all, when we talk about racial issues, it's it's such an awkward kind of thing because um, most people are like, man, I don't feel like I have any racial issues in my heart or my life. And so, yeah, just to start off with, um, I just want to help people just relax a little bit because, man, we're friends. And I just want to say that what I want to know from you is just from your heart and your personal experience kind of give us a little reference point. Now, I'm not expecting you to speak for a whole people group, you know. Right. What I'm looking for is just from your heart and from your own personal experience and the people you know and are close to, as you look at the world right now, how are you feeling? I mean, there's just this week, we heard just a moment ago that there was an, an African-American gentleman who died in the park just in, in Lancaster. We had a death of a gentleman yesterday at the hands of police here in Lancaster. And at this point, we don't know any details, but there's so much in the news and so much of this tension right now about this. How are you feeling and how are you seeing all of this from your perspective? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you, Dave, for this opportunity. Um, when, when you first asked me to come on, uh, some people, I'm a little bit different. Um, some people think that, uh, you know, this is an awkward or an uncomfortable time. I actually relish the opportunity to be able to speak about real issues. Mm. I believe that in America, we have this whole thing where, you know, you're not supposed to talk about things like politics or religion or money or God forbid race or things mm. like that. But my thinking is if we spent the next 20 years discussing nothing but the weather or, you know, talking about the sporting event that took place yesterday or whatever, then I don't believe that it will really give us the opportunity to build deeper connections and mm. relationships. And so I embrace opportunities like this even though it might get uncomfortable at some places um, I believe that it really gives us an opportunity and so I, I really welcome it um, and just one kind of guideline going into uh, conversations like this I believe that going in with an open mind and heart is absolutely imperative um, on any issue um, it's not about speaking for an entire people group. It is just talking about my personal right. experience and, and how I view this issue. If we take this right here, this is an issue or whatever. <laughs> I'm approaching it from this perspective. This is my vantage point. Right. These, these are the conclusions that I've come to based on the experiences that I have. Yes. Now, of course, you're a different person. You're looking at it from your vantage point. You're looking at it from your perspective. And I have to give um, validity, uh, you know, to your perspective, to your experiences. Um, and I can see now how you will come to a different conclusion than me based on your experiences from your vantage point. And so um, on any issue like this, uh, once again, I do believe that just being open and listening not trying to fix the other person's mm. mindset or whatever, but just listening and hear where they're coming from is the best gift that we can give to each other. And so once again, I, I do thank you for this opportunity. Wow. Um, how I'm feeling. Wow, let's just dive right in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm feeling a, a litany of emotions. Mm. And um, I mean, 25 emotions within a span of five minutes, especially if, if I'm getting onto social media and seeing oh, something man. like that. I mean, I'm on Facebook and you see a story of something that has happened and there's sadness and there's anger and there's frustration, mm. but then you move to the next story and maybe it's somebody that you never thought would speak up. They're speaking up and they're fighting. Hey guys, we need to be listening and we need to be stepping up and we need to believe, you know, and all of that. Yes. So it's like, oh, there's hope. There's there's goodness in this world and all that. And then you scroll down to the next picture and, and you know, maybe somebody's taking the exact opposite approach and it's like, oh my goodness, I thought that you were my friend. I thought that you would have my back. And they're saying something complete. So there's a gamut of emotions wow. that, that you can feel, you know, at this time. And then of course, it's very um, difficult 
to talk about this, I think it's impossible to to not bring up as an African American man um, feelings of the police and yes. you know police violence and abuse of power and things like that. And you know a lot of times people think that uh, the extremes are are the only two places, but. The reality is that we're all generally somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, I am an African-American male. Um, there are things that I experience that are legitimate, um, you know, experiences that and, and emotions that I feel. And at the same time, I have family members. I have friends who are also police. And I do believe that a lot of police, most police are doing a good job. But at the same time, there are some bad ones that need to be brought to justice and yes. that um, we need to do a better uh, job. Job of, of holding people accountable and things like that. And so trying to work through all of these emotions, both negative and positive, mm. it, it really just, it you're up all over the place. It is a, a roller coaster. But I think in the end, um, as a Christian, I'm ultimately at peace. I do believe that what our country is experiencing right now is a God moment. Wow. I believe that he has brought us to a place to where we get to address, yes. you know, race relations yes. in America and things like that um, in a way that we have never uh, been able to before. And without COVID being here and everybody is a captive <clears throat> audience, literally yes. captive in their homes for two and a half months and, you know, watching what's going on, then um, I don't believe that we take it seriously or pay uh, attention to it like we've had the opportunity to do right now. Mm. And so as a result, I believe God is giving us the opportunity to say, hey guys, look, here is this issue. How are you going to deal with it? And yes. so I do believe that this did not surprise God. He knew that this was coming. Um, and he uses all of this uh, as an opportunity for us. And so ultimately I'm that. feeling, I'm feeling like he knows what's, what's happening. All over the place, but but particularly in this set, sense. And and you and I talked about this um, in the past, that the, the reference point, like you say, we, we look at this, this is my vantage point of life. Mm -hmm. And it comes from all of my background, my experiences, my, my view of life is based upon my world. And this is where I come from. I see it from here. This is my lens. Um, but what we talked about is the, the starting point for all of us, and the reason why I think it's so good that you and I are talking today is because the church has a vantage point. We are first and foremost, and I think you are the one that told me, you said this, that we are first and foremost Jesus followers. So mm -hmm. in our identity, um, whatever our vantage point, one of our, one of our I, I think, core values is that we come from a vantage point of, hey, Jesus, I want to see through your lens. Although this is my human experiences where I come from, um, I want to line up behind the cross and I want to see through the filters, the lens of the kingdom. And, and what is it you're doing and trying to accomplish? And that's why I'm so glad that the church isn't the last one to the table for these conversations. I know they're political and I know they're crazy and I, I've seen, you know, I'm not a social media you know, follower, but I have been watching a lot more lately. And I'm telling you, it's a, it's a heartbreaker to see just fi families divided and, and wars breaking out between, you know, social groups and classes because of all of that's happening. And that's why I'm so excited about the church coming to the table and saying, wait a minute, we have a perspective and we have something to say from the vantage point of the cross where we must address the inequities, we must address the abuses, we must address all of these things from, from a perspective of healing. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called the children of God. They will be like their father. And that's why I'm grateful for you taking the time to do this. And I think that the church, as we line up to look at the perspective of uh, the issue, that we come from the perspective of the cross, that Thank you for that though. Our, our identity starts there. And then we kind of break into our other identities like, hey, I'm a dad, I'm a pastor, right. I'm these things. Mm -hmm. So coming from your family, you mentioned your family and you've you, different ones, you've had experiences. You know, just help us understand what's the difference? What how does the world look different to you than it might to me? Well, first and foremost, uh, I am very I am always aware of being an African American. Now that doesn't mean that it is always the first thought in, in, in my mind. Um, sometimes if I'm at home, I'm not thinking, oh, black man, but sometimes mm. in certain settings, <laughs> it definitely is uh, more in the forefront of my mind. Uh, my experience as a black man in, in 
you know, America, uh, just speaking for myself, and it differs depending on where you are in the country a lot of times and things like that, but growing up, raised here in California, I've had a lot of experiences of um, racism, discrimination, no um, bias, and things like that. Too many to count. I've been called <laughs> some rather choice uh, words uh, a ton of times, even by some of my students who are 12, 13 years old at wow. different times. And the fact Unreal. that they're comfortable enough to even say something like that, they're getting it from somewhere. Exactly. And so I, I, you know, but generally speaking, I would say that my experience has been, it's been pretty good. Um, but I do have, you know, uh, times where things have gotten unpleasant. And matter of fact, there are, there are two significant times in my life where um, uh, one was quite scarring and the other just did a, a, a big, I was a big uh, eye opener for me. Um, so I was raised in church and, and I'm a very talkative guy. So I'm very friendly. I, I get along with people. I, I'm one of those kind of people that I've never met a stranger. I, I'll hold a full on conversation with somebody in the store. I don't know them. Um, Nessa is always coming up. Did you know that person? I'm like, no, I just met them right now. So I'm one of those kind of people. And so our first time we went to a camp meeting. Um, so like a, a, a revival or a yes, conference, yes. a church conference, church conference um, right. in, in Missouri. And so uh, needless to say, so it's in the South and uh, this was one of my first times down there. And I didn't know that there are certain uh, unspoken rules or expectations and things like that. So here, I, here I am, I'm, I'm talking to everybody, I'm talking to guys, I'm talking to girls, I'm talking to everybody just having a good old time. And what I didn't realize were that there were some people who were taking exception to my talking to some of the white girls that were there. I don't know if they thought that I was trying to pursue a relationship or I was only about 17 mm. at the time or, or what was going on. I was just being my normally friendly self. Well, one day we actually went up to uh, to the river. We skipped one of the, the afternoon sessions and I got invited to go to the river and go kayaking with, with a group of about 50 people. Um, I was the only person of color that, that mm. made the cut. I was the only one that was invited. And so wow. we get there and um, it's about an hour to, to, the, to the creek and the river and, and we're, uh, we're talking, we're having a good old time. But when we're actually there, uh, I'm getting to know people and all that, but I didn't know everybody. And so there's one young man in particular and come to find out later his family um, from Louisiana. So the, the, you know, the deep South and um, he wasn't too fond of some of the uh, interactions that I, that I had with some of the, some of the other people. And so uh, when we got to the river, he comes up behind me and he grabs me, picks me up off the ground and he's going to throw me into the river. Now, mind you, I can't swim well, oh. if I can it just a little bit. And this is, I'm like, what's going on? I'm, oh, I'm in disbelief that this is really happening. So I have a presence of mind to at least say, Hey, if you're going to toss me in, at least let me take my cell phone out of my pocket. I'm not trying to spend another couple hundred dollars on a phone. Um, let me take my wallet out and let me throw them to the the shore so he was gracious enough to allow for me to do that and then he tosses me into the river and I um, swimming around you know trying to get my bearings or whatever and eventually a couple of other guys helped me out of the river um, so that was that was the first time that I think my eyes were open to where wait a minute we're at a Christian conference mm. we're at church here you mean to tell me that we're not all treated equal I can talk to this person, this person, and this person, but I can't talk to this person, this person, this person without people thinking that something was amiss or that something was inappropriate. And so that was the first time that I think that my eyes were open and it really, it really hit home with me. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say that it's scarring, but it was definitely an eye opener. Those are heartbreaking, and, and tell you what, Ptolemy, I think a lot of people look at that and they're like, yeah, but that's the South, and that's somewhere else, and those are those people. I'm not those people. And that's the thing, I think, with majority of probably church people is they see themselves as, hey, I'm a good person. I treat everybody the same. I'm colorblind and all this. Well, for one, colorblind is not even God because he created the different nationalities. Right. and he, All the different people groups were out of his imagination. And so that's not the intention, but it's for all to be one. Jesus said, I pray that, Father, you know, you would make them one as we are one. Mm -hmm. So that even though we're diverse, that his prayer and his heart was that we would all walk together as, as family under our great banner of Christ. And so, but the heartbreak is that most even church people would say, hey, that's not me. Um, 
I don't, you can't lump me in with that group. Right. And so I think they dismiss the conversation. As a matter of fact, they feel uncomfortable with the conversation because they don't feel it's them. But the fact of the matter is this is California and this is, you know, 2020. And I was just, Chase referenced this at his midweek talk. Chase did a interview with another gentleman, um, Devin Thomas, a great friend of Journey and, and a former educator here in the Valley. And the conversation, he was talking about so much of what he has experienced right here in California, just the preferential treatment, right. the kind of just setting the feeling like he's an outsider in some circles and, and it just breaks my heart. So those kind of things are true and real right here, right now. Well, in my last story, we were talking about down in Missouri, the person was from uh, Louisiana. So people are thinking, well, you know, that's the South and all of that. Mm -hmm. However, my next experience um, happened right here in good old California, the melting pot of America and all of that, um, right here in Los Angeles. And so the, the point that I want to make is that um, I can't turn off my blackness. Mm. I cannot help how people view me right. and people have their biases even right here and they are going to look at me and sometimes judge me or prejudge me based on what I look like. Um, perfect example. Um, so I'm, I'm fairly educated and I think pretty articulate and, you know, and all of these things. And so another way that, you know, I just kind of assumed that the world viewed me like I view myself. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm in education and I'm in college at the time and going to Cal State, um, Cal State LA. And I'm a tutor at, at a school a couple miles from there. Um, but there are not a whole lot of people that look like me in that area. But the school that I'm at, it's is right across the street from a police precinct there. And so I'm coming to, uh, to, to, to the school every day and I'm working as a tutor and I'm driving by, no issues. You know, I had some run-ins with the police maybe before, you know, one or two tickets or something like that, but never major. And I always was of the mindset, you know, that as long as you're, um, you treat them with respect and all that kind of stuff, then nobody would ever have a problem with you. Boy, was I absolutely incorrect. And so mm. one day in particular, school gets out I'm about 19 or 20 at the time, and I get in my car to leave, and I'm at the light right across the street from the precinct, and I'm about to make a right turn. Well, there's a cop car that is coming from the right. They hit me. I mean, they see me at the red light. They just look at me. I make my right. I look in the rearview mirror, and they're making a U-turn for no reason. I didn't do anything. I didn't run a red light. There was nothing that I did. Um, so they come behind me and they light me up, turn on the, the brights, pull me over. And mm. um, right at the south end of the school um, that I work at, and before I can say anything or do anything, uh, one officer per window, they come, they pull me out of the car and um, have me go over to the sidewalk. And as I'm being questioned by one of the officers, um, makes me give him my, my ID uh, from out of my um, wallet, doing everything very gingerly so they don't think that I'm doing anything. The other officer starts searching in my car. It doesn't have a warrant or anything like that. I guess I was trying to find something. I have no idea. So he's looking through my car and this other um, officer who is who's asking me questions, I'm, I'm panicking at this point because I'm like, I haven't done anything. Um, I've seen this movie before. I don't like how it ends. Um, and so I start going into a different kind of mode um, once again thinking, okay, I've got to do something to kind of distinguish myself and so that he knows that I'm one of the good ones, that mm. I'm not, you know, uh, some kind of criminal or anything like that. And so I start speaking very... Um, properly white, if you will. I start using <laughs> wow. um, educated uh, lingo and terminology and things like that. He looks at my picture, um, my, my ID, and he can't pronounce my name. So I'm like, all right, this is an opportunity to be able to show that I'm actually educated, right? So I start going into the history of the name Ptolemy. I'm like, it's a Greek astronomer that they believed that That's the right. Earth was the center of the solar system. It's called the Ptolemaic system. They believed it for over a thousand years until it was disproved <laughs> by um, <laughs> Copernicus and Galileo Galileo oh and all of this kind of stuff just to make it seem like okay I actually do belong 
long here at this institution oh and so on. It just so happens. And so it was very embarrassing and it was, it was shameful. I'm sitting there like a common criminal right here on the sidewalk. School had just got out. So dozens of students, some of the ones that are in my classrooms come walking by <laughs> at this time. They're looking at me like, what did you do? And matter of fact, um, the second officer finished searching my car, grabs one of the students and starts asking him over on the side, um, is it really true that this guy, but he used a, a not very nice term in, in reference to me, is it true that this guy actually um, works here at the school? Because, you know, I clearly didn't fit you know the his type perception of uh, his of perception of, of uh, mm. right and especially in that area Interesting. and so um luckily wow. the person that they actually took knew that i was a um, tutor there at this school and so he vouched for me and i was able to be let go but um the point is this it is realistic um it is our reality that a lot of times these are things that we do have to be aware of they do happen um a lot of times and those are just my personal <clears throat> experiences i have friends and and family members and a lot of people that have gone through very similar things and a lot worse and and things like that so that's what i really want for people to to understand um my wife is pregnant mm. i have the luxury since i'm not physically pregnant myself i have the luxury of not always having the pregnancy on my mind if you mm -hmm. will. But she doesn't have that luxury. As the babies are developing, she is always mindful that these babies are getting heavier and more of a burden oh, to I carry bet. around. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, she has all of the other things that come with pregnancy. She gets hungry um, more frequently. She gets hot here in June mm -hmm. a lot faster and so on. And so I get to turn off you know, the pregnancy, if you will. Sure. Um, I don't have to always be it's mindful of it. But um, <laughs> the more that I can put myself into her shoes and be aware of the fact that she is going through something like this, then I think that it makes me better as right. a person. Absolutely. And I believe that it definitely brings um, growth and it makes the um, our whole society better as we become more aware of it's what beautiful. each other is going through. Well, I think that's a beautiful illustration and I think it's great and maybe just poignant for the church to realize our lens is our lens because it's all we know. It's right. it's what we've grown up with. Um, and, and again, we're not asking people to be something else or whatever. What we're asking, and, and I think what a Christ follower would do is say, hey, I want to walk in your shoes or at least understand from your perspective. Um, that's why I've had conversations with people in my circle. And um, what I'm hearing from people that both Lori is, is uh, just a, a complete like, lover of everybody and she is so good at asking and just finding a reference point with others and a person that she works with is telling her recently that their son you know they're in his in his early 30s has been pulled over five or six times in a single year just commuting back and forth to work now i have three sons and a foster son with my four boys i can tell you that not one of them is pulled over randomly on a regular basis none of them and that when we're hearing this stuff it's like oh man and again I am pro police in the sense that I'm pro law and order and I have friends and family in law enforcement and all that but like you I'm not pro discrimination I am so against that and so against power used badly mm -hmm. that it's time for an evaluation but I appreciate that you say it's time to put ourselves in the shoes of somebody else and say what is it like to be right. in your seat I can't I can't imagine what it'd be like just to be pulled over just because of my skin color. And that, mm -hmm. that really sits so badly with most of us that say, this is just wrong and, and we gotta figure out a way around this or to, to fix this. But as we look at these kinds of things, um, this, what is it like? Because you, from your lens, what is it like to be one of the, Journey Church is largely lighter skinned and it's largely white and Hispanic. Mm -hmm. um, not a whole lot of African-American families or people of color. So what would you say has, has been your experience at Journey? Was it difficult? Was it awkward? I mean, just to be real with you, I mean, I really want to know, what is it like from your vantage point at Journey? Once again, um, I might be an anomaly here. 
a little bit about my background. My parents were pastors and yes. Christian school administrators for over 30 years. And so uh, we grew up singing. And so uh, my dad would minister in different churches, all kinds of churches. And we'd sing in, in a lot of different places. And so personally, uh, being the only one or, or you know, just a, a you know, one of a handful of, of people of color in a different place. For me, it's it's nothing new, um, but I am aware of it. Mm. I'm aware of it, uh, but it's not the only lens that I look through. And matter of fact, for the most part, unless there is some sort of issue, for the most part, as long as people are friendly and I smile at them and they smile back, I talk to them, they, they talk back, they're welcoming and they're loving, mm. um, then everything is... is, is you know, it's, it's pretty chill for the most part. Yes. And that's what I love about Journey Church. And that's why we're there because we do believe that the people there are very loving, they're very nice. And my experience there has been very good. Would I love to see more people of color there? Absolutely. Um, and until that happens though, I, I do believe that the people um, at Journey Church are some, some incredible people who believe in showing their love for people in a very practical manner. Well, that's the that's our heart, and that's so much my heart, that we want to feel like we're that place that, even though I get it, style, we may or not be, may or not, may or may not be your preference when it comes to style, but when it comes to heart, that we are a heart that is enveloping and just brings in people regardless of their background, um, racial, economic, age, that we just want to be that place where everybody feels loved and accepted and part of the family. So what would you say to the average Christ follower? Okay, this is a person that's like, man, I really want to know what it's like to follow, to walk in the ways of Jesus. And in this kind of racial tense moment, some practical steps because for most Christ followers, I think we would feel like, man, our hearts are just broken for the condition Absolutely. of our our country and our and our community and all this. Um, but I don't I don't know what to do. So, what would you suggest? Well, and I want to spend a little bit of time here because I think ultimately this is where the rubber meets the road. Right. Um, Jesus, as you, as you said in your message, Jesus called his followers his disciples to a completely different system than the world. Mm -hmm. He said, look, the world is getting out there and they're going crazy. Some people on this side, they're saying these kinds of things and the rest of people are saying this right here and they're getting out there and fighting and all of that kind of stuff. But Jesus said to his people, look, I have a new system that I want you guys to follow. And the first step is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors like yourselves. He says that the mark of my people is not going to be how good they are or exactly how good they're able to make all the laws be just perfect mm. because we're human beings and we're going to mess up and things are not ever going to be perfect. Right. But he commands us to love. And he says, the mark of my people is going to be that they love well. So good. And so we've got to be committed to showing love. And here's the thing about love. Love cannot happen. It cannot happen in a vacuum. How you know that you love somebody is when things get difficult, when a circumstance is is hard and it costs you something. It costs you to uh, it costs you um uh, some comfort or it makes you have to sacrifice somewhere exactly. or maybe it might require you to stand up for somebody and might cost you a little mm. bit of your reputation mm. or maybe it might even cost you your job or whatever. Jesus asks us to commit to love because that's the example that he gave. It cost him his entire life. So and so true. what he asks us to do is he says, look, I want you guys to commit to using your place of advantage mm. out of love for and serve people who are disadvantaged. Yes. And so uh, an example that I give, going back to my wife being pregnant, um, she is at a time of disadvantage, at least physically, um, to where she's, she's, she, she's growing. And, and by the way, let me just pause here and just give some mad props to anyone who is going through pregnancy. I don't know how <laughs> women do it because my God, so it, is, it is something else. And just being married to someone um, like that, you've gone through it, it, it is absolutely insane. My wife is incredible. They should canonize her on the spot. And that's just for one <laughs> child. I mean, with two, child, two children on the way, you know, it's, it, it's something else so because, because of all the different ways that it affects her um, mm. body is sore can't get comfortable at night and so on and so my love for her 
right here practically is to meet her needs. It is to inconvenience myself, take my place of advantage here. My body doesn't ache. I'm able to sleep full night's sleep on my own. She's not. Mm. And so if in the middle of the night at 2.30 in the morning, if she's uh, can't get can't get right, just baby, I need some water. Mm. Do I feel like getting out of bed? Do I feel like going downstairs? Absolutely not. But practically, my love says, hey, my, my legs are working a lot better than yours right now. I can probably go downstairs and be back in, in a minute. And so I put myself at inconvenience myself. I go downstairs and I get her that water because I am demonstrating my love for her. And let me tell you a quick story. Um, Looking back, we, we laugh about it now. We were pregnant with our first daughter, uh, Simona. She's six now. And um, so this was the first time through it. And I'm like, all right, there's a pregnancy. Nasa's going through it. And it's in the middle of the summer. And she had a particularly hard, long day. Mm. And she's emotional. And, um, and ooh, I hope that wasn't a bad thing. This is, <laughs> don't kill me, babe. <laughs> And so I had a long, tiring day and all that, and we're in bed, and it's about 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning, and she's she's just like uncomfortable and all this. And so me, I'm like, all right, this is a perfect time to test my mettle. This is time for me to earn my stripes and be husband of the year. And so I ask, baby, what can I do to make you know this easier for you? And I'm thinking, all right, here we go. She looks at me, and with tears welling up in her eyes, I'm like, here it goes. She's going to ask me to move heaven and earth for her here, and I'm ready for this. And she says, baby, can you go downstairs and get me a bowl of applesauce. And I absolutely, I lose it. I'm like, what? I'm thinking awesome. it's going to be something That's difficult. Awesome. I'm willing to do something hard for you, baby. Get in the car, and, and, I'm going to drive exactly. to Rosemond or Go get some Popeyes at Kern County's open. <laughs> but no, it's just a cup of applesauce. So I go and get it for her. But I think that that is what Jesus is asking That's for crazy. us to do, to be looking for opportunities to serve people who are disadvantaged yes. and be yes. able to use our position of advantage for them. And in fact, there's a, a, a scripture in Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9, and it says, yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Mm. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. <clears throat> Ensure justice for those being crushed. And so I believe that God requires so his people to, to follow his way, which is love. But love is going to cost. Love is commitment mm. to use our positions of advantage for those who might be at disadvantage. And so right. in a lot of different ways, um, I don't have the advantage of being a Caucasian America, uh, American right. in this country. That is some disadvantage. And so maybe if there are times where I'm disadvantaged, if you can speak up for me, right. that is what Christ calls us to. Uh, going back to the example uh, of the pregnancy and so on, maybe putting myself physically um, at the disposal of somebody who cannot go out of their way. James talks to us and he says, look, um, pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless yes. and the widows Widow. and to and keep orphans. himself unspotted yes. from the world. And so Good. giving ourselves at those times and being proactive mm. to do it. A lot of times people are not going to say, hey, I need help over here. We have to open up our eyes and our ears and look for opportunities to serve. <clears throat> and that's why Jesus said that in his kingdom, in his yes. system, instead of just going out there and scratching and clawing like the rest of the world is, trying to get ahead for ourselves, he says, not so with my people. I want you guys to look for opportunities. I want you to find ways to good. serve and That's to good. help and to offer yourselves <clears throat> in that way. And then you will be greater in my kingdom. Yeah, and then be children of the Father. That's kind of what a reflection looks like. We look like our dad when we're doing what our dad does. We right. look like Jesus when we're doing what Jesus did. And that is where he was so often when he was on the earth. We talked about it last week as our message that the neighbor, when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, and the guy said, who's my neighbor? And he goes, tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, it's the guy who's in need. It's the right. guy who is disadvantaged. Absolutely. It's the guy who, and you have to cross the road. You have to go into that place of awkwardness. You have to risk sometimes a little bit to be in that space, sometimes a lot. Jesus left heaven, disadvantaged mm -hmm. himself, 
for us. And so that is what it means to be like Jesus in this way. And and it's important. I think people begin and they, and they get a little bit concerned because they're like, well, I don't want to be associated with all of the, the other stuff that's in that package. I don't want to be labeled right. by, you know, all that movement. And so they're reluctant because there's some things, oh, I don't agree with that philosophically. I don't agree with that politically. I think that's coming from the wrong. So they, they actually talk themselves out of a response right. with all of these qualifiers. Whereas Jesus never mentioned the guy's race. He never mentioned his political party. He never mentioned his wealth, his age. He just said a man fell among thieves. And I think that was intentional because he wants us to put any man there, any right. man, right. whether they are like us or whether they're completely different from us, they voted like us or didn't. If a person is disadvantaged in need or is taken the, the brunt of the world's abuse and they can be loved and helped and healed. Absolutely then that's my neighbor. So this is, this is again, coming from, from my lens and my perspective. This is a personal question for you. Mm -hmm. Like, as a, as a white man looking into a very broken system and just all the pain that is just being experienced by the black community, what do white people need to know? What is, what is not helpful right now for white people? You sure you want to ask this? I, I'm telling you, as a, <laughs> as a person who's saying, I don't, I don't know exactly what to do, but I don't want to do the wrong thing. So what... What would you say to a person like myself not to do? Okay, I'm, I'm going to be very vulnerable, and I'm just speaking for myself. Please. Um, so uh, I'm going to I'm going to throw this. I'm grateful. Under, I really want to know. All right. Personally, um, one of one of the things that is very not helpful uh, when we say Black Lives Matter, right? Um, a lot of times in, in our culture now, people retort, uh, but all lives matter. <clears throat> and yes, while we know that that is true, it's not helpful for us. It doesn't make us feel loved or accepted um, when somebody comes with that retort at that time. Let me give you an example. Um, mm. Last year, towards the end of the year, my grandmother died. Um, she was 94 years old, lived an amazing life. She was a beautiful woman. She, she loved Jesus. She and my grandfather were married for over 60 years. Um, I mean, just the most sweet, loving mm. person ever. And so at her funeral, um, we're celebrating her home going and her name is on the obituary and this is her life story. And we're, we're, you know, we're, we're mourning at this time we're hugging and, and we're going through the, the process of, of grieving our grandmother but celebrating the life that she lived. Mm. What would not be helpful at that time, even though it would be true, is if someone stands up in the audience during my grandmother's service and says, but all grandmothers matter. Mm. That is true. But today is about my grandmother and the life that she lived. We can look at all other grandmothers at another time and we can celebrate their lives and all of that. But today is about her and so I understand why people say all lives matter because they don't want to offend and things like that mm -hmm. but I mean if you were to put yourself into that position and someone comes in during your time of celebrating or paying special attention to a cause and they seek to make it about something else or about everybody it definitely can be insulting mm. and it can be very painful because what it really is saying the message that we're going to receive is that man we don't even matter enough for you guys to even give us an opportunity to cry mm. you got to make it about everything else when we're the ones that are in pain you understand what I'm saying? So Absolutely. So it's kind of like the lens is now, the camera has shifted and it's currently making a, a, a total focus out of the pain of the people of color and their, their the racial disparities and all of these things. And so because of this moment where there's a lot of mourning because of the deaths and all right. of these things, that to draw attention to other things, you're saying, hey, can we have our moment? Can you Correct. at least identify with us that we're struggling here, we're suffering here, and right. we have been for a long time. Correct. And so can you identify with that? Even Absolutely. if you don't work within the, the context of maybe the political movement, that you can understand why those words mean something Correct. significant. Correct. And matter of fact, uh, just because I say, hey, Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that I even embrace all of what 
the movement actually stands for, mm -hmm. what it simply means is, hey, can we have this moment to be able to, to focus on this? It's, so it's just like saying, if we ever talk about the Holocaust, yes. um, six million um, Jews that yes. died, there were four other people, four, four million other people that mm -hmm. also died, right. but I don't think that most people are gonna say, hey, we need to make this about all 10. Exactly. And if you ever say, hey guys, six million people, Jews died, we need to talk <laughs> about everybody. Every time we bring up the Holocaust, right. it's, it's not really fair and yes. it's not helpful. And if, it, if nothing else, mm -hmm. maybe just don't say anything at that time. Even if you don't agree with it, it, it don't do no harm. Yes. If nothing yes. else. I think that's a really great point. And I think that's a really good perspective for church folk mm -hmm. and folks like myself to say, I do, my heart breaks for you and for all people of color in this moment. And I think it's important that we identify that. Great point. Any others? Uh, there's another one that is pretty close to my heart. And uh, this one's controversial as well. But I'm going to bring it up. So when uh, there, there's a line, every time somebody of color um, is killed, uh, you hear, but what about all of the black on black crime? Mm. What about the fact that uh, overwhelming number of African Americans that are killed are killed by other African Americans? Mm. That also is not helpful because what it does is it's, it's trying to demonstrate that we don't value life, mm. right? And so, well, why should you guys care when this person is killed when wow. clearly you don't care when everybody else is, I mean, when somebody else is killed by one of your own kind. But there are a couple of reasons why mm. that is completely unfair and it does major harm. First of all, so I will be completely honest, about between 87 to 89% of all African-Americans um, that are killed are killed by other African-Americans. And people are quick to point that out. But at mm. the same time, nobody wants to point out that between 81 and 83% of all whites that are killed in America wow. are killed by other whites. And so they only want to talk about this side, but they don't want to talk about the other. Interesting. And so that's the first thing. Um, but the second thing is this, and this is the major point. If one of us, if I take somebody's life, another black male, let's say, I know that I'm going to be arrested and I'm going to be brought to justice and I know that I'm probably going to spend the rest of my life in prison. It is not that way most of the time here in America when a person of color is killed by the police. And this is the very difficult thing to talk about. Let's talk about right here in Los Angeles. The last 400 plus murders, well, excuse me, killings of African Americans in the city of Los Angeles. We're not talking about the dirty, dirty South. Right here in Los Angeles, the last 400 plus police killings not a single officer has been charged. Not one. Now, I don't know if in each one of those cases, if, if the police officer is guilty or whatever. But mm -hmm. what I do know is that to us, it does look like most of the time, officers are walking away with impunity when um, no matter what happens. It's as if they can do no wrong. Correct, okay. correct. And so what we're saying is, guys, look, if nothing else, at least have a thorough investigation. Absolutely. We're saying the system Absolutely. is wrong. We're, we're being killed and nobody seems like they're even caring. <clears throat> Take, for example, yes. Breonna Taylor. Um, this happened a, a couple months ago as well. We're in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, three officers uh, serving a search warrant broke into her home at two something in the morning, filled her with nine bullets, killed her, and she was sleeping. Um, a couple of days ago, the police report was actually released and it showed that basically nothing was on the report. And so not only did they not bring any charges against the police, they really didn't even do a thorough investigation of exactly what happened. And that's not fair. And so all we're saying is this, mm. look, we like to be treated like human beings, basic human rights. And so when you try to point victim, uh, point the fingers at the victim and say, hey, but you guys kill each other, so it must be okay for the police to kill you as well. It is extremely painful because it's saying that we must have deserved it in yes. some way instead of actually taking an honest look at 
maybe in cases somebody abused their power yes. and they need to be held accountable. So some of these things are just, they're just so painful to hear and, and just kind of, even just to observe, it's like, man, that must be so frustrating. Um, and it just kind of brings me to another question, kind of our final question. So what are, what are some practical steps that we as Christ followers can take to kind of build a bridge, to kind of move in the direction of healing and to just just to make this moment, this to take advantage of the moment that we have to bring healing? What can we do? Well, going back to what we were talking about earlier about Christ's example and his command to love. And so you have to, I believe that all of this, once again, is a God moment. He is mm. inviting us to recommit to, um, to acting from a place of love and whatever that means, making yourself uncomfortable, um, initiating different things, mm -hmm. uh, being there for somebody, uh, looking out for them, listening to them, and so on. And so I, I wanna give three steps, uh, three practical steps um, that anyone can do to actually you know, help build Perfect. bridges and Sounds things like good. that. And so the first is you yourself, from a position of advantage, look to educate yourself on what is going on. It's good. And so um, we are in the information age. You can hop on Google and you can find the history of the United States of America. Um, for example, Dave, I don't know if you know this, but have you ever looked at the history of policing in the United States of America? I have not. So uh, in 1619, slavery started here. So that was 101, uh, 401 years ago that was right around when policing started in the United States of America. Um, so when they started bringing slaves over here, they started instituting slave patrols. And so these guys will be up at night um, on horseback with rope and with a weapon, and they will be working their beat. That's actually where we get the phrase to this day when it comes to police, they're working their beat. And so um, slaves at that time had to have papers giving them permission to move um, throughout the night. And so anytime they were caught without their papers, they would actually be beat at that time. And wow. so that is actually the history of policing, but most people don't know that. Mm. And so take time to actually educate yourself um, on what is actually going on, what the real issues are, um, how we can actually, some of those issues need to be addressed. Uh, they started way back then. Maybe we need to make some fundamental changes in the way that mm. things are done um, in the issues that affect black people or uh, you know, just in general, um, any issue that comes about, let's educate ourselves. And the second one is this. Um, Individual repentance, individual repentance. And so what I mean by that is this. The United States of America has at no time ever, ever completely officially acknowledged the wrongdoing of slavery. We freed the slaves back in 1864, I wanna say, um, the Emancipation Proclamation. Yes. All right, and people think that the issue just went away at that time mm. and we didn't have any more problems. However, at what point did the United States of America officially say, hey, we were wrong. We started our country going this direction and it was wrong of us. Mm. Now we're going to repent, and the word repent, of course, means to turn around sure. and move in the opposite direction. The United States has never done that. So what I mean by individual repentance is, I don't know if the United States will ever formally As in apologize. the institution, the, institution, the, the government, okay. or all of that will ever acknowledge mm. we were wrong. Right. A lot of countries, when they've had their moments of, of, of you know, wrongdoing, the governments of, of um, um, Germany, by the way, for example, after the Holocaust, they apologized, they repented. They're like, we will never get caught doing this ever again. We will not do this. The United States of America during World War II, when we had all of the Japanese in internment, we apologized to them officially. We even gave them re um, reparations uh, for that each <clears throat> of the Japanese that, that suffered through that time received $10,000 in reparations. Now, I'm not here to talk about reparations. That's a mm -hmm. whole uh, different conversation. Certainly. But I will say that the United States at no time has ever actually apologized for and repented for the institution of slavery, of slavery in this really? country. And so 
I believe that we as individuals, mm-hmm. because that's all that we can control. Absolutely. We do have to have a heart to say, you know what? This was wrong. I am sorry that this has happened to you, has happened to your people. Mm-hmm. What can I do? Not to just acknowledge it, but what can I do to help stem the tide and move this vehicle, if you will, in the opposite direction? And so on a practical level, Mm -hmm. um, repentance looks like showing love and Mm -hmm. looking for opportunities to champion the cause of somebody who may not have the same um, opportunities. For example, did you know that in the United States of America right now, the average white person has $100 of wealth for $5 of wealth for the African uh, for the average African American. So $100 of wealth, $5 of wealth on average. And so people just think a lot of times that well, why don't they just make something of themselves? Well, gee, I never thought about pulling myself up by my bootstraps, but sometimes I might not have the same opportunities that other people have. If you have an opportunity that you can bless me with, by all means, I'm sure that myself, my children, we would be very happy to have some of those Mm. opportunities. And there are people that God has blessed and have advantages in certain ways that they will be absolutely, you know, uh, very loving to be able to give some of those opportunities. And so individual repentance looks like... um, doing whatever is necessary to show love and to try my best to where I can correct and repent for the institution, the, 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 the negative impact wow. that um, people have So the average Christ follower obviously then has the opportunity to respond in a different direction. Obviously Absolutely. repentance is to change direction, change your mind, and, and therefore your actions. Correct. And therefore we... Like um, like so many people have already begun to do is educate ourselves and learn then what are some specific things that are in my community that we can foster either financially or personally or by volunteerism or just speaking up. So those are things that we can do. I, I love that concept. You got any others? You said three? There's one more. And so the third one is this, to initiate conversations with people, especially especially people that do not look like you, that are not in your normal comfort zone. You have to take advantages that you have, that you're benefiting from, and you have to look for opportunities to give those to other people. And so if that means, hey, we had a disagreement on this issue. Mm-hmm. Come into my home. Let me show yes. you some love. Let's sit down. Let's break some 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 uh, a meal together, Absolutely. and let's have this conversation. Beautiful. I want to see from your vantage point mm-hmm. what this looks like, and I want you to hear my heart and mind as well. But also, in doing that, giving someone the gift of simply not judging and listening, mm-hmm. because of course, as human beings, we think we know. Even if we don't have all of the information, we still think that we know. And there is that tendency to go in, let me show you where you're wrong on this issue. You need to come see this from my way. But giving them the gift of, hey, I'm going to allow for you to speak. I want to hear your heart. I want to see what it's like from your vantage point. And I'm going to close my mouth and not try to teach you anything. I just want to listen. Mm. And I want to walk in your shoes and giving that gift. And so those three things right there, um, educating yourself, mm-hmm. um, personal or individual repentance, and then also giving someone the opportunity to, to sit down and to... to I love that. And I think that one is so easy and so practical that if your friendship circle does not include people that are not like you, you need new friends. And Correct. you need to broaden your circle. And you need to look at the world around you. And that... This, this conversation is born out of that heart that Absolutely. we want to begin just having more conversations. And obviously, I, I consider you my friend and you're part of our church family and all this. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't stalk you on social media. I didn't go to find out all the things you've been saying and what position you take on all these things. None of that. I just said, I have a friend that I want to talk to and, and I want to make this a public conversation because I just want to understand. And I think that for me, that's... that's thing I've been trying to do lately and I I just pray that that is kind of the posture of so many of us that I think I'm fairly educated but you've taught me things and I've learned things today that I did not know and um, and I I want to continue to learn and grow because as Christ followers 
we don't look like Jesus until we're until we're completely formed. There's always room to grow, yes. and every one of us has room in our little hearts, you know, mm -hmm. to be expanding and reaching and and loving better. So I want to thank you, Ptolemy, for taking the time. I want to thank you it's for nice just here. pouring out your heart and sharing your perspective on all these things, and just inviting you to join me in a word of prayer over the journey, family. Um, just that we would be the people that respond well. This is this is one of those moments that we get to just step into the mess and just love well and represent Jesus well. So would you join me in prayer just Absolutely. that we would, we would do that? Yes. God, I just thank you for my friend Ptolemy and the opportunity that he's taken advantage of to share his heart, his perspective. And God, as we look right now at the nation and the community that we're in, again, our hearts are broken. We're broken over the years and years and years that have led us to this point of just terrible treatment of people right here under our watch, under our eyes. And we just pray, Lord God, that as individuals, as Jesus followers, we would step into this moment and say, hey, not on my watch. Um, I will not allow people to be mistreated, um, misrepresented, mischaracterized in all these things. Um, and again, we're not saying everybody is right or wrong because of their skin tone or anything. What we're saying, God, we want to be the people who step in yes. and look like Jesus for those who are in need the disadvantaged in order to take our advantage and share it on their behalf. God, for all these things and all the things that we've spoken of um, prior to this, just I pray your Holy Spirit would allow it to just penetrate our hearts so that we would just not close our ears, but we would tune in to what your Spirit is saying to us as a church, as a community in this moment. God, let us be the healers. Let us be the bridge. Let us be the peace on earth that you said you were bringing. And I just pray, Lord God, we'd reflect you in this moment. And we, we thank you and we pray for this in this moment in this church in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, my friend. And Absolutely. we will talk with you again soon. Here's Journey, we're so grateful you joined us for today. And if you have not had a chance, go back and watch last week as we address this subject from a different vantage point. And again, this Sunday, we're all together in our facility. So don't forget Father's Day. Join us this coming Sunday, 9 and 1030. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great week. And don't forget about the worship playlist. You might want to go check that out now. See you next time.